The clock is now running on the Playbook Podcast, the podcast where you take a deeper dive into the game of business, leadership, teamwork, character, the things that drive your motivation and build dedication. When you get a good look at the game plan of great business leaders, you start to formulate your own playbook and your own rise to the top. Make your next play your best play. And now, here are today's game captains, Glenn Amorell and Andy Phillips. Let's go! And welcome back to the Playbook Podcast. Andy Phillips joining me as always is my partner, Glenn Amorell. Glenn, how you doing? I'm doing great, Andy. How are you? Doing well. We had some technical difficulties <laughs> to get us started this morning, so we appreciate our, our uh, interviewee's patience, and we're excited to have her on. But to start, we will start with our pregame warm-ups, as always. Glenn, do you have a question for me? Uh, yeah. Um, now, you've played a lot of sports, and you played at a high level. Um, what are your plans in the future? I know we talked about this a little bit, but giving back to um, younger people that were in your situation. Yeah, so there's a couple things I'd like to do in the future, and it will all depend on which one I do will totally depend on, I guess, my work-life balance, we'll call it. Mm -hmm. I'd love to coach high school football. I would love to specifically take a program similar to like I had in high school where we didn't have the best equipment. We didn't have the resources. We didn't have a history of success. And I would love to take a program like that and turn it around. If work-life balance doesn't allow for that, I'd at least like to start uh, possibly a free youth clinic or camp uh, in the summer, something like that. Well, you can sign me up. <laughs> You'd be the <laughs> oldest camper, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, not for the camp. I can be a mentor, right? Or am I too Absolutely. old for that? Too? We'll, we'll, we'll teach you. We'll, you'll be doing like linebacker drills or something like that. <laughs> that's right. All right. My question for you today, simple. Uh, What's your favorite quote of all time? Well, there's so many, but I, I picked one today uh, I thought was apropos to our guest, and um, it's from Maya Angelou. Okay. And um, if you find it in your heart to care for somebody else, you will have succeeded. Now, our next guest has done that so many times, you probably couldn't even count it. So I'd like to introduce uh, today Rhonda Sciartino, who embodies success and leadership. She is an entrepreneur, author of 13 books, a welfare advocate, keynote speaker, and an inspiration to all across her path. Um, I could go on for the whole half an hour on what she's accomplished, but I'm going to turn it over uh, and then introduce you to Rhonda Sciartino. Thank you, Rhonda. Thanks oh, for joining thank us. Thank you for having me. What's, what a kind and generous introduction. Gosh, I hope I can live up to that, Glenn. <laughs> Well, you already but, dealt with so. all the technical difficulties and showed your patience. So we appreciate that from the get-go. That should have been added in your bio. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. A well, uh, patience has never been one of my virtues. But, um, but you know, now we live on all this virtual stuff, right? So, I mean, it's uh, it's part of life. You just have to deal with it. It's all good. Excellent. Well, thanks. Thanks so much. I appreciate your uh, your patience. Well, I'm I'm happy to be here. I love what you're doing with this podcast. I like the layout. I like, uh, you know, the the notion of um, uh, taking plays, you know, from people who have had success and and sort of extrapolating them out. I've I've done that in my life, 
And uh, so I love what you're doing here. And I think it's going to help an awful lot of people to to create their own success. So thank you for what you're doing. Well, uh, we you're welcome. That. And I, I got to say, you are an inspiration to me. And Aww. I told Andy, I said, when you talk to Rhonda, it's like you come away feeling like you're walking on a cloud. So not only do you help people, but you motivate people. I always come out of it motivated. So um, I'll get things kicked off with our uh, some of our questions here. Um, as I mentioned, you wrote 13 books. Um, in your book, Successful Survivors, uh, you state that the pain of your childhood uh, made you strong enough to deal with inevitable setbacks in business. How can you help our listeners, um, you know, take of some of what they've been through and use it to their benefit in their business? Oh, what a great question. I love that. So I think that um, there are so many things that every single one of us can do, but there's one thing that we're really made to do. And the way that we find that thing, whatever it is, uh, at which we operate at genius level, is we have to go back and look at what we've been through. So the things that we've been through change us, right? They, 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 they change our perspective. Um, a lot of people automatically go to, oh man, that painful thing in my life, that hurt me so bad that it, 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 it broke me. And I like to say, um, well, I mean, that may be true, but you're not too broken to be fixed. And as a matter of fact, where we've been broken is where the richest lessons are. So if we go back and we look at the really tough stuff that we've been through and we mine the lessons out of that, what we, and, and by lessons, I mean um, character traits, learned abilities, what we find is a few nuggets of gold that we can extrapolate out of those painful experiences and apply into our future. So for example, uh, for me, I found that I, I, my parents were gone when I was little and I was raised by people who were very abusive and, and uh, we lived in poverty and all that stuff. And, and what it did is it made me resourceful. I mean, you, you have to figure out how you're going to eat when there's no food. And so um, that resourcefulness translated out to when I got my first job in an insurance agency when I was 15 years old. I had no idea what insurance was. I couldn't spell it. I didn't have a clue. But, but I figured out what had to be done. And, and so resourcefulness has always served me, um, resilience, perseverance, just determination to, to figure something out. If I can't figure it out, I'm going to find somebody who, who does know. And, and Andy, I heard, um, I think it was in the first podcast where you said, yeah, you know, I'm new to insurance. But I've got this great team. If I don't know the answer, I'm going to go to somebody who has it. Well, hello. I mean, that's what we do, right? <laughs> There's not one human being on all of earth who has all the answers to everything. And, and I'm telling you, you know, Glenn, you've been in insurance a long time. I was in insurance for, I think, 40 years or whatever. 
And, uh, but, you know, you develop specific specialties. I insured, uh, I protected and defended the good people who take care of uh, abuse kits. So my husband, who's in the wholesale food business, would say, all right, so then if the truck breaks down and the refrigeration unit breaks down and the and the food is soil, uh, spoiled and we lose that, are we covered? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, 35 years in insurance, I don't know. Right. So nobody has all the answers no. to everything, right? But but that resourcefulness will serve you well. You will figure it out. And you know what's funny about that? So when I first when you first when you go into a situation and you know you're stepping in through doors where you without a doubt had the least amount of knowledge in that building, it can be intimidating, right? And I was told very early on that listen, none of us have the answers because it's a business that changes so fast and so often that as soon as you think you learned it, it's changing. So I'm like, okay, all right, well, that's good. And then also people don't do insurance. Like I say, do insurance people, business owners and everything. They talk about insurance once a year, typically. So very early on, I might think that I'm lacking, but I'm already going to know more than the person I'm sitting across from just because it's what I do every day. That's a great point. And also your entire thing right there made me think of a quote by, I believe it was Michael Irvin at the hall of fame speech. He said, he was always told as a kid, look up, get up, don't ever give up. And it sounds really? like that's your story to a T. And my question, my next question was going to be about COVID-19 and how you, how you, people were really broken either personally or professionally, but I think you already answered that. So I'm actually just going to move on to my next question, which is, can you tell us about the five facets of success and what they mean to you? Oh my gosh, you guys are so good at this. Okay, so <laughs> I love that question. So, you know, um, Wall Street would tell us that success is a lot of money, right? I can tell you that um, I, I have multiple homes and one of my neighborhoods, one of my neighbors is a billionaire. I think actually uh, there, there's more than one, but one that I know, and, and he's such a sweet man. And, um, and I can tell you, I mean, he's ill, he's alone. It's he's on, you know, he's not happy. It's sad. And I think, okay, he's a billionaire. He cannot possibly spend all of his money in this lifetime. Uh, so the idea that success is money is a flat out lie. Uh, Hollywood would tell us that uh, success is fame. All right. Uh, how many people could we start naming off? I mean, in my generation, I, you know, I automatically think of like John Belushi, but, you know, for in, in your generation, Andy, I mean, you, you could name off people I probably don't even know. But, mm -hmm. you know, you think about these super duper famous people who overdose on drugs, who, you know, crash their car because they're, you know, drunk. And, you know, I, uh, again, success being fame, lie, flat out lie. So true. So, you know, I chased... I chased what I thought was success for a lot of years. I thought, okay, if I have my own business, that's success. Okay, I started my own business. Actually, I sold everything. I was sitting on the floor. 
of my condo, uh, even without a refrigerator, I, I don't recommend that. That wasn't well thought out. Um, <laughs> but I had sold everything in order to start my business. And, and I'm working toward it. And I got really good market penetration. And I gained some success and went nationwide. And I'm sitting there with this great business and this amazing team and, um, you know, building my investment portfolio and all that. And I'm going, oh, you know what? It didn't solve everything. And I'm really not happy. Frankly, I mean, if I'm totally honest, it, it that didn't do it. So I chased what I thought was success. Turns out it wasn't. What I learned, it took me over 40 years to figure this out, and I'm still trying to figure it out, is that real success, authentic, genuine success is uh, five different facets. The first one is good relationships with good people. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to have a million friends. You have to have one person in your life that you could call at three o'clock in the morning and say, man, I, it could, could mm. you be with me? Could you take me to the hospital? Could you, you know, say a prayer for me? You know, whatever it is, but you got to have at least one person and, and that you would do that for them. The next thing is health. You, you got to have your health. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people are so stinking stressed out trying to chase the wrong things that they lose their health. And so uh, when you look at it like this, you actually have better health because you're not stressed out all the time. The third thing, I didn't even know what it was when I was chasing all that other stuff is peace. I didn't have peace. I had a lot of chaos. And I, if I'm totally transparent, I created it myself. I came from a very dysfunctional environment. There was constant chaos. That's what I knew. So I created drama. Oh man, I would never go back. I, I have peace now and I guard it carefully. The fourth one is joy. Joy is internal. It, I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is great, but you can be super happy and everything's great. And then you find out that somebody stole your identity and they took all your money out of your bank account and you're not happy anymore. <laughs> So joy is, is untouchable. Joy is inside of us. It's not controlled by external circumstances. It's internal. So no matter what happens, you don't have to be happy about it. You don't have to like it. But if you have joy inside of you, it helps you ride those waves of the, you know, let me just say crapperula that happens in our mm -hmm. lives COVID, you know, uh, the loss of a loved one. I mean, real stuff happens. No doubt. But joy will see you through. The last of the five, and they're in this order for a reason, is financial provision. You know, turns out the grocery store still wants to get paid. You can't roll your cart out full of <laughs> groceries without paying for it. So you know, Edison still wants the light bill paid. So, you know, we have to have money to really function in this life. But how much is enough? I mean, when I was chasing it, there was never enough, you know, uh, if I have a Ferrari and a Mercedes and a house and a beach house and I have all this stuff, guess what? 
somebody's got the newer Ferrari and the faster right. Mercedes and somebody's got the better beach house. And you, you can't win that nonsense. I mean, I came from Southern California, uh, close enough to Hollywood, you know, far enough away. I didn't claim it, but you know, I watched that stuff my whole life and I'm telling you, you can't win those kinds of contests that somebody else you you might be there for three and a half seconds and somebody else will come along and knock you off the top of that hill so the thing to do circling back to the very first thing i said is find the one thing that you were made to do you were born to do you're genius at it because you don't have to compete with anybody for that so true Great answers. And, I mean, yeah, I'll say that was that was brilliant. And <laughs> I love the joy part because I I think that's a great. I, I think the difference between that and happiness, especially on the outside, is so different. So I, I couldn't agree more. And I hope our listeners took something from that because it was very insightful and very deep. But and, and I, I, have, I have one thing to add. It's kind of kind of interesting. I was telling somebody the other day, and sorry to interrupt, Andy. Oh no, is that. You know, he felt that his employees could be motivated with money. And I said, not everybody is motivated by money. Nope. So find out what really motivates your people. So that's one of the takeaways that I got from that. So no doubt. Uh, I'll hand it back to you, Andy. <laughs> it is halftime now. And no, I, Glenn, I, I appreciate you piping in there because that's a great point. Um, but Rhonda, how we do halftime here is different than hopefully every other show. We want to take the focus off business and leadership for a second. And we want the listeners to just tell us more about Rhonda, well, your likes, your dislikes. So we're going to do a speed round. What we tell people about a speed round is if you have a quick answer, no explanation, give it. If you have a little storyline or explanation, give it. But we're going to spend about two, three minutes right here with a 10 question speed round before we get into the second half, which is leadership based questions. Are you ready for the speed round, Rhonda? Yeah, I'm super glad that you didn't say that the halftime show was me singing. <laughs> or me. We'd make an exception. <laughs> I thought you were going to spring that on me, but no, I can do I Well, I, I mean, I'll do it. I'll do whatever you need to do. So, so let me see if I can do the, the speed thing. Well, I, I think I got to start off with the first question of the speed round now being, besides yourself, who's your favorite musician or band? Uh, Lauren Daigle. I don't even know who that is. Should I know? Christian Radio. Okay. Uh, yeah. All right. uh, yes, I do. That's great. She has that amazing song that I just recently heard and had to look her up. But I forget what the name of it is. It's it's amazing. I think you say. Yes. Uh, you say, look that up, Andy. I'll do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Rhonda, who, in your opinion, is the greatest leader of all time? Hmm. Jesus. I had a feeling that was coming. <laughs> it's <laughs> tough to argue. the world without social media, baby. Right. <laughs> All right. What is your favorite and most hated food? One of each. The favorite and what? And the food you hate the most. So favorite and least favorite foods. Oh, 
my favorite food, chocolate cake with chocolate frosting okay. and chocolate in the middle, and then a little bit of chocolate on top. And so then like uh, my least favorite, uh, gosh, I don't know. I eat everything. But when I was a kid and we had no food, I ate possum brains and eggs. And I would say that's probably the worst. <laughs> I bet you I'm the only person on your podcast who's ever said that. Uh, Absolutely. Might, yeah, you're going to be one of the only people I ever hear say that. <laughs> can, can I stick with the chocolate, please? Yeah. <laughs> and and we are recording in February, so it is Heart Health Month. So chocolate's good for you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. It, Dark chocolate. I'm so glad. Dark this, chocolate. This next question is your chance to get in the good graces of maybe a friend, or you can pick someone you've never met, but you think they'd be good. If Rhonda was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, have you seen the show? I, I saw it. Yes. I've seen and it you right. get to that tough question. You, you get to phone a friend. Who are you choosing? Oh, my husband. Okay. You think yeah. he'd be good? good answer. I'm sorry. You think he'd be, is, is he a pretty bright guy with like trivia and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I, he, he's got a lot of information in that head of his that, uh, it's sometimes it's just like, Oh, where'd that come from? Yeah. Yeah. I would <laughs> okay. call him. All right. What, if you watch sports, do you have a favorite sports team? Well, we were season ticket holders for the Lakers for, for many years. So I guess I have to say the Lakers and Kobe was one of my neighbors. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah, R. I. P. I'm a Laker fan. Okay. Uh, so your and, favorite athlete? And you know Kobe's from right around our area here. He went to school oh. not too far from us. So he's a, um, a hero here too. So yeah, God rest his soul. Yeah, Marion High School, mm -hmm. right? Lower Marion, that's right. About 15 minutes from me. Oh, wow. Is it safe to say the next question, is he your favorite athlete of all time? Of all time? Uh, I'm going to say that. Yeah. Okay. Good right. answer. Here's the next one for you, and take your time and think if you have to. If you looked out your window right now, do you have a yard? Let's put that. Are you in like a, a high rise tower? Are you in a, do you have a yard? I have a yard. Okay. And you look out there and you see a grizzly bear. What is the first thing you do? Do you take a picture of it? Do you go and hide or do you call some sort of animal control? What is the first <laughs> thing you do? I'm, I'm sure at some okay. point you'll do all three. Well, all right. So let me tell you the order. So People who have been through a really severe trauma, violent crime, child abuse, or whatever, we shift from uh, fear, which is passive, to coping, which is active, faster than the average person. I would uh, figure out how to be safe first. That would okay. that would be the first thing. Yeah. So then, once the animal control gets there, you take a picture while they're. You know, oh yeah, I'll stand away. Next after they have it subdued and take a selfie with that guy. Yeah, yeah. Safety first. All right, we got three left. Two should be fast. One might not. Favorite book or your favorite podcast? Either one. Oh well, uh, my favorite book is uh, you know there's 66 of them in there. It's the Bible. There you go. I would say the Book of James. Okay. Yeah. First car you ever owned. 1966 Volkswagen Bug with no air conditioning in Southern California. <laughs> you won't forget that one. Oh, no. <laughs> now, the last question. What is your biggest fear going forward in your life? It could be something as simple as spiders or it could be failure. What is your biggest fear? Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't really have. I don't feel. I don't feel a lot of fear. That's I guess it would be pain. 
I, okay. you know, I, I don't like seeing people suffer. So, um, you know, it would, it would be physical or emotional pain for myself or somebody around me. Okay. That's, that's a great, an empath, great, great so I answer. Feel everybody's pain. Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I think that that very easily could be mine too. Uh, I, I hate seeing people I love hurting. Yeah, it's tough. That is halftime. You did great. And we threw some harder ones at you and you, you answered them right away. So we appreciate that. We're moving on to the second half, which we already told you is more about your leadership and experience based uh, than necessarily business. But you're the whole thing with you here, you're an absolute leader and a rock star. So a lot of the questions might be similar to up top. So here we go. Okay. Being a former insurance thought leader, how important is it for nonprofits and businesses to monitor the health of their business with regular risk management physicals? So you're a leader. How do you how do you help them in terms of being able to tell them the importance of doing that? Oh man, uh, you know if you don't do that, and, and I'm and I'm not I, you know I'm not a fear based person. I would rather motivate people to do things. Um, from a from a uh, optimistic and positive standpoint but but for this question i have to say i think the answer is that if you don't take a look at the things that could absolutely tank you then something could come out of the clear blue and destroy everything you've worked for so i mean you have to you have to take um, i mean i used to do it annually i'd have an offsite and, uh, you know, all of my staff, we closed and, and we would talk about, uh, you know, operations and everything. But one of the things was to say, let's try to figure out what could go wrong. And, uh, you know, like like when the when the planes flew into the towers, nobody had thought of that. But but that's the kind of thing if you're going to be proactive about risk management to say, you know, how could there be a tragedy? What kinds of tragedies uh, could happen here? And then, and then back your way into how do we manage? Uh, if we can't prevent it entirely, how do we mitigate it? You got to ask the what if questions because in risk management, there's no stupid what if scenario because literally anything can happen. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, the next question, I'm going to shake it up a little bit. I'm going to pull from uh, some of my other questions. Um, your Love is Action community initiative um, brings together uh, business stakeholders, um, faith leaders, and organizations and, and children and youth and families that need help. Leadership has to play a pretty big role for that to work. Can you describe how that can work and how you can oh. make a difference in your community? Oh yeah, thank you. Another a lot of, lot of potential stakeholders listening, hopefully. Oh well, I hope so. So, you know, so the idea is that um, in in all the years that I've been speaking to groups about um, you know child abuse and human trafficking, especially child sex trafficking, these awful societal mm-hmm. ills that happen in our communities, I've never ever one single time met somebody who said, "I don't care." There's no, you know, I don't want to do anything. What people say is, oh man, that's awful. I kind of don't know what to do. Yeah. I don't know what I could possibly do to help. And then it's too big. And so they 
kind of put it out of their mind and they focus on what they can do and what they do every day. All right. So I thought, uh, you know, there, I know that there are ways that people could help that don't add a lot of, um, you know, time, money, whatever to their already heavy, you know, responsibilities and obligations. And so um, I actually saw this work in Southern California. And, uh, and I decided that, you know, we just needed to replicate this in communities all over the United States. And the bottom line of it is just to, it, it, it gives people ways to safe ways to help people who are vulnerable and in need, you know, somebody just needs to get on their feet uh, by working with programs that are vetted, they're good programs and, uh, and just doing what we call their no big deal. And so in most places in the country, uh, you know, if you said, gee, I want to do something to help out in my community, what could it be? You're going to hear, um, write a big check, play in our golf tournament, uh, buy a table at the gala, adopt a child, you know, or become a foster parent. And if you don't happen to be in a place in your life where you can do one of those things, we really have no place for you. We have no use for right. you, you know? So true. Uh, That's awesome. So I say, oh my gosh. All right. So what do you do? The first thing I want to know, what do you do for a living? Uh, what kind of business are you in? What are your hobbies? You know, like with you, Andy, you're, you're a football guy, you know, sports, you already talked about, you know, doing something for, um, you know, kids for high school kids having a football program. I mean, I would, I would want to connect you with a private nonprofit accredited child welfare organization, uh, maybe that uh, has a residential care program for boys. And they're looking for sports programs. I can tell you one of the best risk management uh, programs related to residential child welfare. I'm getting kind of into the weeds here as far as your audience goes, is getting kids involved in sports. I mean, hello. You're Absolutely, that, right? right? Without a so doubt. Get them involved. Get them in there. Get them wanting to do it. I mean, a, a former pro football player shows up and says, hey, here's how you block, pass, whatever. I mean, these kids <laughs> are just going to eat it up. So you take what somebody wants to do and enjoys doing, and you match them up with the person or the people who need that, and they want it, and they eat it up. Everybody's life is enriched. Talk about that joy. That's where you fill that joy tank, man. Is you know doing what you love to do. Filling up the passion bucket. That's there right. There it is. Filling <laughs> the passion bucket. I love it. Well, That's Rhonda, beautiful. you've been phenomenal, and I'm upset these are only thirty minutes. So this gets us into the last question or play of the game, which we call our hail mary question, and. I this is basically, listen, you've accomplished so much in your life. You have. And I know you're not going to you know, brag about that, but I think everyone can tell from listening to this podcast that you got to where you were for a reason and you're very accomplished. However, go back. And normally we ask people to go back to 22-year-old themselves. But I'm going to ask you to go back to 14-year-old yourself because you already said at 15, you started working at an insurance company. 
I want to go back to the head of 14-year-old Rhonda. You get to give 14-year-old Rhonda a one word of advice or key to success or motivational tip. What would it be if the Rhonda today could go back to 14-year-old you? Ooh, okay. (laughs) It would be, uh, don't be a victim. You might have been victimized. Somebody might have mistreated you. Somebody might have done you wrong and they're in the wrong, but it's not happening now, baby. Get up. I wrote it down. Look up, get up, don't ever give up. And don't (laughs) walk around with a chip on your shoulder. Everybody in the world is not responsible for what happened to you. And, uh, and, and I, I believe very strongly in that, that, uh, quote that Zig Ziglar, I don't know if you've ever heard of Zig Ziglar. Ziglar. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh man. When I was young, I read all of his books and he said, (laughs) you can get anything in life that you want. If you'll help another uh, enough other people get what they want. And I believe it. And, and that's, uh, that's been what's, um, I think probably been the key to my success and, and so, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. What a great question. Oh, you guys yeah, it's, so a, it's a great this. answer. And really, uh, uh, right now, it's very important because a lot of people and business owners are feeling victimized right now with the pandemic, loss of income and things like that. So, you know, what I've done is tried to, to be a better version of myself. So it's a really great answer. Um, well, we're going to close it down. I want to thank you, Rhonda. You've been amazing as you always are amazing. So thank you, thank you so much. It's been been great. I'm going to give you like 30 seconds to a minute to uh, tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you, learn more about you. Um, so I'm going to hand it back over to you for, for a moment. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. This is so fun. I love what you guys are doing. I wish you the best success. If somebody wants to get a hold of me, it's so easy. It's Rhonda.org, R-H-O-N-D-A.org. And uh, there's links there to uh, the Love is Action Community Initiative and Successful Survivor Solutions and in all the things that I have my fingers in. And, and uh, I wish you guys great success. I know you genuinely, I know you, Glenn, for a number of years now, and I know that you genuinely care about the people you're protecting. And I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell your audience, if, if, you, if you didn't, I wouldn't be here today. And uh, well, I know you, your Glenn. heart, and I know that you're not transactional. I know that you have, for you, insurance protecting people, it's not just selling them something and moving on. You're relational. You establish relationships. So you and I, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that, mm-hmm. and, and here we still are in contact. And so I love that. And I think everybody even though, Andy, what you said, they only talk about insurance once a year. <laughs> but, you know, you want to you have a relationship. You want to have somebody you trust because, God forbid, you need to make that call. Uh, you want it to be to somebody who's going to remember your name and remember your face and remember your business. And No doubt. And, I, and so I know that that's true with you, Glenn. And I, I'm guessing, Andy, that that's true with you, too. So it, thank you. It is that. absolutely with Andy. And that's why I'm doing this with Andy. Because you know, awesome. he's got well, you make great a good character team. traits. <laughs> so, well, thank I would like to thank everybody for listening. Uh, please comment on our platforms, LinkedIn. And um, my name's Glenn Amaral. I'm Andy Phillips. 
Uh, thank you for listening. Till next time.